If you brought your Bible, I would uh, encourage you to turn to Psalm 86. My name's Josh, I'm one of the pastors here at South Baton Rouge Church. I'm really glad you're here. And this week we conclude our uh, short series on the Psalms. We've looked at uh, different Psalms, mostly in the first uh, two or three books of the Psalter. And this morning we're looking at Psalm 86. Next week, uh, Richard Pratt will be here uh, preaching. He's uh, the director of Third Millennium Ministries. And then after that, we'll begin a series in the book of Exodus from the Old Testament. So uh, this morning, Psalm 86. This is God's word. A prayer of David. Incline your ear to me, O Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. They do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me, and be gracious to me, and give your strength to your servant, and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor, that those who hate me may see and be put to shame. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalm. And I pray that um, your message through your word would take root in our hearts and grow and strengthen and challenge. And uh, Lord, change us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. Whether it's a friend, your mechanic, a counselor, a pastor, or basically anyone else in your life, when you're in trouble, when we need help, when we are in a bind and something isn't working quite right, we want someone that we can trust. We want someone we can rely on. We want someone who knows what they're talking about. We want someone who cares. We want someone who is there for us. Let's think about a physician for a few moments. You call, you set up an appointment, 
You go in because you have some sort of problem, maybe you had an injury, maybe you're sick. And after the initial assessment, what does the doctor do? He or she, they ask you a few questions. How did this happen? Why don't you tell me what's going on? They might write a few things down on their chart, which proves that they're actually listening. A good doctor, she listens to what you have to say. But beyond that, maybe um, she steps outside for a little bit and she comes back in and she tells you a plan. Isn't that what we want? We want a doctor to lead us and to prescribe for us some things that might make us feel better. A good doctor provides leadership, maybe some medication. What you really need is exercise or physical therapy or to cut sodium out of your diet or whatever it is that doctors tell us to do. There's something that they lead us in. But there's another thing that's important. And this may be harder to find or harder to experience, but we want a doctor who cares about us. Who sincerely cares about us. Who wants to know, how are you doing? Who is accessible to us, as, as accessible as a busy doctor can be. We want a doctor that actually loves us. And as we think about Psalm 86, we see that it's a Psalm of David. We don't have many details about what was going on in his life, but what we do know is that he was going through personal trial and turmoil. We know that people were after him. We know that people were seeking his life to destroy him. And we know that he was struggling. And I'm sure that David probably felt sad, confused, angry, afraid, depressed, betrayed, alone, misunderstood, and abandoned as he went through these trials. Maybe those are some things that you have felt before in your life. Maybe there are things that you've experienced in the last month or so. I know I have. What does David do? Does he isolate himself? Does he bury it all down? He may have tried that, but it didn't last very long. He cries out to God. He pleads with God because he needed help. Have you cried out to God for help, for relief? I mean, you think about the doctor analogy. Have you ever gone to the doctor before and you're so sick or you're in so much pain that you just want any kind of relief, any help? That's what we're talking about here. And Jesus Christ, God our Father, just like a good physician, He listens to us, He leads us, and He loves us. And that's what we see from Psalm 86. God listens, God leads, and God loves. And so let's think about that this morning. As we look at Psalm 86, the first of all, the first thing we see is that God listens. Let that sink in for a moment. The God of the universe who made all things and upholds all things and is in control of all things listens to people like us. Listening is important. It is difficult for us to be good listeners. When someone's a good listener, what do we say? They, they have a gift. And they're able to empathize and listen, and it's difficult for us to listen at times. So as we begin this morning, think about the fact that the God of the universe listens to us. He hears us when we cry out to Him. And why is it 
that God listens to us. Why does God listen? One of the first things we see is he listens to us because we need help. Look at verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. He hears the cry of his children. He's especially sensitive to the cry of his children when we cry out and say, God, we need help. For all the parents in this room, you know the cries of your children. They don't even have to say your name. They don't even have to say a word. Their cry you can hear over a a, a crowd of people because you know it. You know their cry. And one of the reasons that God listens to us is because he knows that we need help. Psalm 103 says it like this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God listens to us because we need help. Another reason that God listens to us is because we trust in Him. Look at verse 2. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Well, when we first read verse 2, we might think, wow, that's a bold claim. You know, I usually don't lead conversations with people telling them how godly I am. Uh, I wouldn't suggest that. But... um, The rest of the verse explains what this means. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. God listens to us because we need him and we trust him and rely on him. Godliness here does not equal perfection. It equals trust and reliance and resting in God for strength. So again, go back to the parent analogy. When your children come to you and they say... You know what, Mom, Dad, I'm not sure what to do. I need some help. Could you help me? Our ears perk up and we're happy to help our children in those situations. And part of the reason that God listens to us is because we trust Him. And our trust for God deepens and grows throughout our lives And each challenge that we face, each hurdle, each heartbreak is an opportunity for us to trust God in a deeper and more profound way. One of the reasons God listens to us is because we trust Him. Another reason that we see from Psalm 86 is God listens to us because we ask for mercy and grace. Look at verses 3 through 6. Be gracious to me, O God, for to you I cry all day. Verse 5, you are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love for those who cry out to you. You hear my plea for grace. God listens to us. He's gracious to us, loving and merciful, not because we've kept all the rules. Not because we have this incredible spiritual resume that is unstained and untainted. God listens to us not because we have all the answers or we have it all together. Actually, the opposite is true. Part of the reason that God listens to us is because we cry out to Him for mercy and grace and forgiveness and love. And this is part of the mystery of Christianity. This is part of the paradox of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our acceptance with God through Christ follows a pattern like this from the hymn. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. So when we say or think things like this, I've got it mostly figured out. I just need a little help here, God. 
Just a little bit, but I can handle the rest. Or, I know I messed up this one time, but there was a lot of stuff going on in my life, and it probably won't happen again. We don't really have the year of God when we approach Him in those ways. But when we come to Him open, honest, truthful, empty-handed, saying things like this, I need help. God, I need you. I don't know where else to go. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. God, please pour your love out on me. God listens to those prayers. Do you remember blind Bartimaeus from the New Testament? In Mark chapter 10, we read about him. He was a blind man. He heard that Jesus was coming through town and he... He wanted to get near him and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people tried to quiet him down and and push him off to the side and he yelled all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And over the, the rush and noise of probably thousands of people, even as Jesus was entering Jerusalem to lay down his life, we read these words. Many people rebuked Bartimaeus, telling him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped in his tracks. Because this man cried out for mercy. Another hymn writer said it like this. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need for Him. God hears us because we ask for mercy and grace. He listens. But why should we cry out to God? That's another question. As we think about God listening to us, we have to ask why should we cry out to God? We should cry out to God because He does love us. He does listen. He is forgiving. He is gracious. We should cry out to Him because we need help. We cannot go through this life in our own strength. We can't make it. We can't carry the load on our own. We need help. And that starts with Him simply listening to our plea. We should cry out to God because He hears us and He listens to us. And that gives us the freedom and the confidence to come to Him that He listens and He cares and He's able. Then we can come to Him and cry out and pour out our souls and plead for mercy and grace. I think some people read a psalm like this and they think, man, I wonder why David kept saying over and over again, God, hear my prayer, hear my cry, hear my plea. They might read that as, man, I guess David was really an insecure person. And he didn't know whether God really cared for him and loved him. And what I'd like to suggest to you is that the exact opposite is true. Because David knew that God listens, and because he knew that God cares for him so deeply, it gave him the freedom to cry out from his soul over and over again, God, listen, God, hear. God, please be with me. Think about it this way. When you're sick or you're injured or you're recovering from surgery, maybe you can't get out of bed, you need help with the most basic tasks. 
your need alongside of the fact that you know that your mom or your dad or your spouse or your friend really do care and love, care for you and love you, those two things can help you say boldly, uh, could you give me a cold rag for my forehead? Could you scratch my back right, right over here? Could you adjust the pillows or close the blinds? Oh, and one more thing. Could you bring me the remote control? You know, it, it gives us the freedom to ask because we know we need help and that that person loves us very much. He hears, he listens, and not only that, we see from Psalm 86 that God leads us. Back to the doctor analogy, you want a doctor who has a legitimate plan. You want someone who has advice you can follow that might help you get better. God not only listens to us, but he leads us. That's what verses 8 through 13 are all about. And God has the credentials and the track record to lead his children. That's what verses 8 through 10 are all about. They talk about who God is and what he's done. He has the credentials. He made everything, and he works in this world, and he is the incredible, powerful maker and sustainer of all things. And when we don't know what to do, when we have questions about the future, it's good for us to remember that God alone is God, to think about who he is and what he's done. And that's what verses 8 through 10 are about. There's none like you among the gods, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. Verse 10, you alone are God. God has the credentials. He has the track record. We can follow his lead. And then in verse 11, how does God lead us? This is one of my favorite verses from the Bible. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. One of the things that God does to lead us is he teaches us. Teach us your ways, O Lord. There is knowledge and instruction in God's leadership. Sometimes, many times, we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to say. We need to learn about God's plan and his purposes and his ways. God teaches us. And then we teach each other what God is teaching us through his word. And we teach our children. And we teach the next generation. And we teach people who are outside the glories and the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God teaches us his way. Why does he do that? Verse 11 explains it. The next thing says... That I may walk in your truth. The idea of walk from the Bible has to do with the course and pattern of one's life. So we have phrases like walk in the light, walk in the paths of righteousness, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God leads us through teaching us about himself and his love and his grace so that we might walk in the light of his truth. Does that make sense? You see, he teaches us so that we may walk in your truth, so that we can follow his commandments. This is what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 is all about. Children from Bible school remember these verses. 
For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Why? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's part of God's plan. He teaches us, He leads us, so we can walk in His truth, so we can learn to obey and follow Him. And there's another piece to God's leadership here. How? He teaches us so that we walk in His truth, but how is that sustainable over the long haul? The last part of verse 11 says, Unite my heart to fear your name. Obedience to God and love for God and living the Christian life is fueled by love from the heart. The heart, the core of our emotions and our wills, has a connection to our actions. And we get this. We use phrases like, well, his heart just wasn't really in it. That was a half-hearted try. And we have phrases from the Bible like this, out of, um, out of the heart the mouth speaks, where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So David is asking, he's pleading with God not only to teach him, not only to direct him, but to unite his heart. And the ESV study Bible describes it this way, to unite my heart in loyalty to you. And that's huge. And so true. Christianity, God's leading, is so much more than behavior modification or jumping through hoops or even having a huge theological understanding of things. It's about those things and loving God from the heart. And at the heart of it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and it's love and honor and respect and deep abiding love. That's how God leads us. Teach me, O Lord. Help me to walk in your way. Change and transform my heart. So one question this morning is, where are you right now with God's leadership? Do you need to learn more about what He wants from you? Do you need help walking in the paths of righteousness? Do you need your heart warmed and filled with God's loving grace? If you're like me, the answer is probably yes. Some of all three. God not only listens to us, He leads us. And God loves us. Psalm 86 reminds us of it. God is love. It's right there in the Bible. God not only listens and leads, but He loves us. And that is something that emanates from Psalm 86. You have statements about God's love in verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding, overflowing in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then you have this statement It's one of the most familiar statements in the Old Testament about God's love. A statement that God gave to Moses at the second giving of the law in Exodus 34. Words that would have rung true in every Israelite, probably like we know John 3.16. They would have known verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love 
and faithfulness. It's at the heart of our message. It's at the heart of who we are as Christians, as South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. God loves. And it's a constant reminder that we can come to Him in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our heartbreak, the challenges of life. Because in those times, we're tempted to believe, God, maybe you're not loving. Maybe you're not good. Maybe you're not here. That's exactly when we need to remember God loves. And one of the most powerful things about Psalm 86 is how it's not some abstract or cosmic force God loves in some general sense. One of the most beautiful things to me from Psalm 86 is that David knows and that we can know that God loves me. God loves and He is love, but Psalm 86 reminds us that God loves me. We love Him because He first loved us, it says in 1 John. You know the words of the children's hymn? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This is one of the things that made a difference in David's life. In the face of death, in the face of horrible circumstances, look at verse 13. Great is your steadfast love toward me. David knew it in his bones. God is not simply love. He doesn't just listen to me and lead me. God loves me. Have you ever thought about that? You ever try to let that sink into who you are? God loves me. He's delivered my soul from the grave. Oh God, because you love me, turn to me and be gracious to me and strengthen me and save me. I believe this is one of the hardest things for human beings to believe. This is one of the hardest things for Christians to believe. And it's one of the most important things. God loves not just them, not just people, not just the world, not just the orphans and the widows and the hurting and the needy and the nations. God loves me. Why is that so hard for us to believe? Well, we have our own sins and mistakes. Even after we believe the gospel and trust in Christ, we fall and we fail and we struggle and we wonder if we really are okay with God. And then there's the unnecessary shame and guilt that we carry around with us and it fuels our insecurities and fears and it feeds our doubts and anxieties. One of the reasons it's hard for us to believe that God really loves us is because we live in a culture where we believe you have to produce in order to be significant. You have to prove your worth. You have to earn your worth. You have to do great in school. You have to make great grades. You have to be a wonderful athlete. You've got to be really funny. You've got to be sharp. You've got to be competent. You have to have it all together. So much of our lives is about performance and achieving. And all those things and so many others help feed the fear that we really can't be loved. We really can't be accepted. We really can't have peace with God. What is it 
that fights that? What is it that roots up and destroys and obliterates that type of thinking? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perfect love casts out fear. We need to be reminded that God loves us and cares for us. Where can we go to to remember that? Where can we go to know that God really does love and care for us? We can go to a barn in Bethlehem when a virgin gave birth to a little baby and the shepherds and angels worshiped Jesus Christ. And we look through the life of the Lord Jesus as He healed the sick and He gave sight to the blind, as He taught people about God's love and He had compassion on the crowds. And we can look to the cross where a man who had done nothing wrong willingly laid down his life for us. And we can go to the tomb where the angel said, why are you looking for the living one among the dead? And we can go to the right hand of God the Father where Jesus intercedes for us now and we can remember that He sent His Spirit to be with us and to help us, that He's promised to come again. Whatever you're going through, whatever struggles you're facing, sadness, disappointments, or joy and hope, Psalm 86 is an invitation for us to cry out to the Lord because He listens, He leads, and He loves when I worked for RUF, there was a joke about one, one song that we played over and over again. And it was, O oh love that will not let me go. O oh love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean's depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you hear us and that you lead us and and most of all, that you love us. And uh, it is hard for us to believe. We pray that you would remind us of it this morning, that it would change our lives and that we would grow in your love and then one day we'll get to see you face to face and we'll get to rejoice in you and what you've done for us. And I pray, thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen.